Hey gang, on this episode, we finally hit the finish line on America's Sweetheart Month. You guys helped to decide America's Sweetheart, Matthew McConaughey. Thanks again for voting, and during the episode, I'm going to talk his top three and bottom three movies, and I'm never wrong. I'll mention how and why each title cracked their rankings, and why I love Matthew McConaughey so much, or his movies anyways, but first, let's jam. All I need are some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. fine. Thanks again, gang, for tuning in. I am your beautiful host, Steve Pfeiffer. Oh yes, I am a sight for sore eyes, so check out the YouTube channel to see my sexy ass strutting my shit all over there. But for now, you get to enjoy my lovely voice. So let's talk some guilty pleasure movies. You know the drill by now. I normally rewatch and review movies that are not so great, but still have a soft spot in my heart. But this is a bonus episode of Big Fat bonus. You're welcome, gang. Consider it an early or maybe a late birthday present to each and all of you. This time around, I look back on the glorious career of America's sweetheart, Matthew McConaughey. What makes him so damn great overall? And I'll reveal the rankings, but I do need to begin by admitting to being nothing more than a casual Matthew McConaughey fan, and I know that may be a giant shock to most of you, But when I was browsing his filmography, I realized, holy shit, I haven't seen most of his movies, so I'm missing out for sure. So my list will only consist of films I have seen, and so I will have to rule out some of his more well-known titles and some of the highly acclaimed crap even, including Dallas, Buyers Club, Mud, Interstellar, and Frailty, I believe is how you say it. So I'm definitely missing quite a few good ones, and I apologize. So I'm sure they're on your list, but forget them, they're not on mine. And I know, calm the fuck down, but hey, I've been living under a rock or, you know, at least stuck with nothing more than my Van Damme collection, apparently, so, but I promise I'll catch those good movies in due time, and some of the rules for the rankings, I have to have seen it as just stated, but also, it has to have Matthew McConaughey as the main star, not some fantastic supporting role like The Wolf of Wall Street or Days to Confuse or Tropic Thunder, or my personal favorite, Angels in the Outfield. That one is freaking awesome. But hey, those are all great titles that I've seen and own. But hey, they aren't really Matthew McConaughey films so much per se. But a Matthew McConaughey film, in my opinion, is where he is the top build star and his sexy blonde mug is all over that DVD cover. And he's in about 88 of the 90 minutes of the film. So that is a Matthew McConaughey film. The titles are chosen based on how much, you know, that rewatchability they have, how cringeworthy they are, if the plot makes any damn sense, the casting choices, and how much fun the movie is just to kick back and pop in. So you guys kind of get a gist of what to expect, so let's go ahead and dive right in, huh? And so 
You know, Matthew McConaughey, just a little brief history on the fella here. He was born and raised in Texas. He's got that damn accent, which I love, and and just he managed to follow him to Hollywood somehow, and he, it doesn't seem to typecast him as some redneck or cowboy, so that's great. And it normally adds an extra charm to whatever character he plays, so he's definitely got that going for him for sure, among many other things. You know, he did do some commercials in the real early 90s before getting into the movie biz, and he landed some small roles, more than a background character, but never quite the leading man until that mid-90s stretch. And guys, I'm no Matthew McConaughey fanboy. This is just shit I got got off of IMDb, so no need to get overly excited about how much how much, you know, knowledge I have. Don't go fucking asking me, you know, all kinds of random questions, you know, about what's his favorite ice cream? But it is Rocky Road with extra marshmallow sauce. But like I said, I'm just a casual fan. But hey, some of the small background roles you know, as earlier noted, Days and Confused and Angels in the Outfield, of course, those are his some those were his actual first two roles where he had a character name, so something that actually was meaningful. You know, but who could forget his first spoken words on camera, the whole all right, all right, all right. You know, and he did end up becoming a breakout star with a time to kill and you know that ninety six I believe it was, where he was the leading man. And then he did some stuff like Contact, the Newton Boys ed tv and that kind of rounded out the 90s so he's kind of getting you know a little bandwagon fired up by this point and by the new millennium though mcconaughey was all over the rom-com scene with you know many on-screen romantic relationships and those romantic comedies and so the pairings were a mini and usually pretty friggin' shitty but it started with the whole wedding planner movie that he did and his major hit, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, and that kind of eventually got to the whole ghost of Girlfriend's Past. So check out the previous episode on that if you haven't already. You'll hear a lot of good stuff. But that whole stretch capped off the first decade of the 2000s. And since about 2011 or 12, he started to take on mostly serious roles, kind of from what I can tell is the trend, where he you know, can showcase his diversity and his dynamic range and all that mumbo-jumbo. But he has won a lot of awards. Uh, some of those titles, like I said, are Mud and Magic Mike and the Dallas Buyers Club. And of course I've seen Magic Mike, but his shit where he plays in movies everyone adores, I just, for some reason, could care less about. But like I said, I definitely want to check out these ones. I've kind of been talking around to some friends and whatnot, and they were like, dude, you're missing out, man. The Dallas Buyers Club is just such a great role overall, just a great film. So I'm definitely going to check that out in the near future. But that damn accent and his skills continue to shake us all, and we just can't get enough of the McConaughey-itis. So let's go ahead and dive into these rankings. You know, we've talked about what makes Matthew McConaughey so damn wonderful, you know, and how the lists are constructed. But now let's reveal the top three and bottom three Matthew McConaughey movies. And we'll start with the turds at the bottom. Of course, you always got to have an honorable mention. And this one is going to be on Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. And now, like I said, that was the most recent episode on the show. So check that out. The film is fucking garbage, the worst in the franchise by a mile. You know, it's mostly laughable. The acting is pretty terrible and all around. It's just, ugh. But you can see how Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger became stars because they are literally light years ahead of the rest of the cast and talent-wise. And it, you know, it lacks the scares, which is what you need in a scary movie. So it's really shitty in that regard. And it does have some uncomfortable laughs mixed in. Um, like McConaughey running over a guy countless times 
definitely my favorite part of the movie, you know, where he's in his tow truck and he just continues to back up and forth and he's fucking screaming out some cool rock music while he's doing it. So he's jamming out the whole time. Uh, or, of course, the part near the end where he's howling at the moon while he's just kind of smacking himself in the face. And who knows what the hell he's trying to do right there and why he's got the robot legs. So I love it. And, you know, the, the time, you know, it does try to be creepy or, you know, it does it does have some creepy times. It is where, you know, some cheap scares with, like, who's in the woods? But it's nothing more than a plastic bag blowing in the wind. So it's just really cheap, crappy scares that they try to make creepy with a really kind of a good buildup, but a big letdown, and so they end up just being like, gotcha, and it's just real shitty the whole time, and the main guy we come to see, Leatherface, is supposed to be the star of the film, but he doesn't even show up until about a half hour in, you know, he's too busy screaming and crying like a giant baby, you know, when he is Leatherface and he does show up, but he's just not the, whole, the Leatherface we know and love, you know, his kills or... Or no, he's actually, I don't think he even has any kills, so he kind of sucks big time in this movie. And McConaughey, you know, he does all the killing, so he gets the bonus points here, especially because he does get somewhat creative, and he also smushes a girl's head in one scene with his robot leg, which is just awesome. You know, this is right after he's already set her hair on fire at the dinner table, so this lady just takes a freaking beating. And... You know, it's she kind of reminds me of Jason from you know Friday the Thirteenth with all this shit it t- took to finally take her down, and we don't even see the head squish, and so I bet she eventually fucking got up. So it's amazing, but anyways, no, it's a stinker for sure because you know it's it's short and sweet, and that it does fly by. So you know before you get a chance to walk away and you know walk out of the film, you're like, oh shit, it's already over. God, thank you so much. But I did find myself slightly entertained, but only because it's that bad. And on to the third worst title. No surprise here, Magic Mike. And I'm going to say this now, I'm I'm not homophobic in the slightest bit, but this is one of those films where you don't really tell people you're watching, and when you do, you feel a little strange admitting to it, and they kind of chuckle at you, and they kind of snicker like, really, you're watching that? But, you know... There's just too much of the shaking cock and big balls, you know, in the face to, to really bad music. And I get lost even, you know, in that to even really remember what the film was about. So, I mean, that it was a little distracting. But, you know, and I'm not a big Channing Tatum or his porn star name of Tanning Chatham. You know, that's what I like to call him. But, you know, he is great in the Drum Street movies, you know, but he's just not that great, you know, in... in overall in a lot of his other films and so and I wasn't planning to avoid this until I stumbled upon you know the, the whole trending now section of Netflix and that'll get you in trouble that's for sure that's so much as bad as that whole you know freaky deaky side of YouTube that you're like how the fuck did I stumble upon this so you know it's yeah the whole trending now on Netflix will get you in some trouble I promise you know but the missus wasn't home you know it was late at night and you know the rest of the story but no but seriously you know I did watch it one time and I, I didn't really find myself tuned in like maybe I'd hoped because I, I did hear some good things. You know, I heard it was a good movie by a lot of people. You know, just look past the whole, you know, dick and balls in your face and you'll enjoy the plot somewhat if you can finally figure out where it's at. Um, so I went probably up in the Tain area, I guess. But anyways, you know, it's, you know and I heard this from a lot of men, you know, with wives just like myself. So I believe them. I really did. But I think it was a sick joke or some shit. And I definitely fell for it. But, you know, it does maybe move up a notch or two 
you know, on the list because it earns a bonus point for having Kevin Nash in there. And I'm a big time wrestling fan. So when I saw he was in there and I was like, he's not a half bad actor overall. He's really not. He's been in Grandma's Boy and, and a Super Shredder and, you know, Ninja Turtles 2. Definitely a big to be continued. But, you know, I was like, oh, cool. You know, this definitely makes it not the worst film for Matthew McConaughey. So now to the second worst Failure to launch. And this title surprised me for how low it was on my rankings because I used to love this fucking film. You know, this was my go-to McConaughey title when I talked about being a fan of his and, you know, how, you know just that's how dumb I was back in those days apparently because, you know, this film has no real shining moments to it. The fucking premise is a nightmare. It's a 35-year-old man who won't move out of his parents' home even when he finds a woman who would fuck him, settle down with him, you know, support him in every possible way, but he just wants to continue living like a man baby. So it's a freaking horror story. And, you know, don't forget Terry Bradshaw's naked room. So we get a big shot of that bubble butt of his. But if you pause it at the right second, I think you can see some hairy Terry balls, which is not fun for anybody. So, you know, the on screen chemistry be- between Matthew McConaughey and Sarah Jessica Parker just is lacking and they don't even really make a cute couple. They're both attractive actors and actors, you know, actor, actress or whatever, but um, they just don't look good together. Not nothing against them, but I was like, eh, they'll never end up married in real life. They don't make a cute couple. So, and Bradley Cooper is, who's usually a funny guy or at least an exciting character, but in this film, he's just kind of there. You know, the other Wolfpack member, Justin Bartha, who is the worst member of the Wolfpack, you know, in my opinion, he just plays far too big of a role in this film. That's what kind of brings it down a little bit. He's just not the real comedy relief you need. You know, it did go from being my favorite Matthew McConaughey film to nearly my least favorite, which the worst. And I'm going to shock you guys with this one. I think it is fool's gold. And this, like I said, it may be a surprise pick for some. But I haven't seen Surfer, dude, so I couldn't quite slot it there. If I ever see that, which I don't think I will, that would probably be the worst just from what I've seen. And um, and that's just through the trailer, which, you know, did a good job of scaring me away. And so did the box office numbers. I kind of read a little bit about it. And, you know, practically every review out there in the film was like, don't fucking see this. So I took their fucking advice. And But Fool's Gold is one of those films I just got bored with, you know. I actually saw it on a date years ago, and it was, we were in the theater, and we ended up walking out because she wasn't enjoying the movie. So it wasn't, you know, I didn't do anything wrong, you know. And I, I wish I could say it was because my date wanted to go home and, you know, make a movie of our own. But I'm sure, it, you know, that, that definitely was not the case. But, you know, it was just a bad movie. You know, we both knew it was, it was. We were like, this sucks, you know fuck this, let's go see Rambo, I think this is out about the same goddamn time, so let's go see some Stallone action instead, go fucking see the Stallone, so, yeah, big mistake on our part, especially mine, so, didn't even get any nookie, but anyways, this movie brought back some Kate, uh, brought back Kate Hudson to star alongside Matthew McConaughey, and it even had the same director from How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, so it kind of brought back a big reunion for this title, but you just didn't feel that same chemistry come through. It was the, it was lacking big time. It just, oh, it was just, you know, you got the cast and the crew right. God damn it, you fucked everything else up. So, and I'm definitely not a you know fan of the long hair of Matthew McConaughey's. It just looks ridiculous, and it, you know, it, and it may seem silly to emphasize something like that, but it was hard to enjoy the film when it looks like a fucking wet bowl of ramen noodles is dripping off his head. I was like, this is. That was not a good look, not even then, not ever, just don't do it, so, 
And he had that same shit going for Surfer Dude. So, oh man, this, the ramen noodles, oh, not working for you, bud. And the film, to me, just it seemed like a big excuse just to have him walk around with no shirt on for about 90 minutes because it was filmed on a beach, so why the fuck not? And, you know, why not just film it on a nude beach and just make a softcore short? Just get to the good stuff, the juicy tidbits, you know, fuck around. You know, don't fucking waste my time on all the other stuff. But anyways, it is just a shitty movie about a couple, you know, going to divorce on a, you know, one last adventure together to find gold. That's what, you know, naturally you would do with the fucking woman you hate, you know. But it somehow re-sparks their love. So if you need to rekindle something, go fucking searching for gold. And, but they have to fight out, or fight off a bad guy, Kevin Hart, who is a rapper named Big Bunny, and he wants the gold too, so yeah. It sounds great so far, right? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, that's the whole movie, and it's just a big pile of crap that I couldn't bother to finish and have no desire to attempt to finish. So, did I break my own rules for this title? Maybe. I didn't finish it. I don't remember how far I got into it, but I remember it was too far to even fucking continue. So, you know, we have talked about the bad, all the ugly, all the evil, shitty films of Matthew McConaughey, but now let's dive into the goodies. Of course, an honorable mention. A Time to Kill. And this is a film I haven't seen in a really long time, but I would love to go back and rewatch because I know it's one that still holds up. Potential to maybe move up the list again if I do take the time to watch. It's not in the collection, so I might have to go ahead and dive into a $5 bin sometime soon. But, you know, it's actually my wife's favorite McConaughey film. You know, so it will definitely be one we watch together and maybe a, con- a to-be-continued for the show. But, you know, I guess guilty pleasure movies may need to branch out to be movies that are not so great most of the time. So, throw in a few good ones. But I think all these titles are actually pretty solid. It's, you know, somehow, some way. Most of them are not going to be garbage. I mean, they have garbage moments, but the films are classics. We all love them. They're guilty pleasure movies. Anyways, this is the movie that made him a star and launched into Hollywood fame. You know, without this title, we wouldn't have such hits like Ed TV, where he gets to be the leading man. But in all seriousness, you know, all seriousness, that is, you know, it did show he can be that central character of a film and carry it, doing you know a really job well done. As a matter of fact, you know, so he just you know was able to pass the torch off, and he fucking did a great job and ran with it. And you know, it's got an excellent cast, you know, including Samuel L. Jackson. So how could you possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, and it's got racial tension, drama. Does a good job of making you wonder what's going to happen next. So that's definitely one I want to kick back and watch again here in the near future. But we talk about the third best title for Matthew McConaughey. It's a rom-com, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. How could it not be on the list? This is the one that everybody does like of his films when they're talking about the whole romantic comedy nonsense. But this pretty much started that whole rom-com craze. You know, The Wedding Planner may have been first, but eh, that one's not so great. And this one does still seem to be the one be the one everybody does remember and love. Um, and it's got Kate Hudson as a love interest of McConaughey, and they do that excellent job together in this film, and they just make a really good on-screen couple. They're a cute couple or whatever, so it works. And the laughs can be silly, but never overly forced. So it's not real cheesy. It's a little bit, but it's good. You get some good, sincere, genuine laughs in there, which is always a plus. 
And it's a silly concept, but also interesting. You know, a woman purposely tries to drive a man away at any cost in 10 days, while the man tries to do everything he can to make the woman fall in love with him in 10 days. So who will win type shit? It's awesome. The ending is predictable, but it's one where you... You know, you do find yourself rooting for the main stars to actually fall in love and end up together. So, what could happen? Anyways, the second best title on the Matthew McConaughey list is... Sing! And this is definitely a surprise pick. It's a cartoon Matthew McConaughey. And this is one that, you know, more than likely wouldn't have even made my list if it wasn't for my two kiddos. You know, they're four and two years old, so this film does get played quite a bit at my household, and, you know, I'm not really much of an animated movies guy so much anymore. I do absolutely love, you know, Toy Story, you know, all the classic Disney's, The Lion King, Aladdin, I'm excited to see those being made into live-action films, but I don't really bother to, you know, I don't set out to go see animated movies unless I'm with the kids. You know, Trolls is okay, but pretty fucking annoying. You know, it's another popular one in our household at this point, so I can recite it for you guys we're not going to review i'm just going to fucking recite it and i'm going to do character impressions but anyways you know sing this is one i do really enjoy um it's got some great music throughout the performances are really really well done um it's just a beautiful movie with the colors and the animation is superb definitely top-notch work i love the variety as far as the animals i thought that was really neat you get a good sense of different personalities from the animals which is you know bigger plus so it's just kind of an equal opportunity animation if you will so i loved that and you know matthew mcconaughey is the star but you know it doesn't always feel like it in a sense and that's definitely okay because each character that comes through you know brings that unique character or personality and they're all great additions to the film each one of them works in their own way and you know McConaughey he plays you know a cute cuddly koala bear who loves music you know he wants to save his family's theater since it's financially struggling and he decides to have a singing competition and the winner gets the top prize and so all these different animals show up and they show off their singing and you know musical abilities and talents and it's just a, a really cute film you know with hit songs we all love um, and it's a film for everyone and the first time I've you know you know brought up a cartoon on this show so you know it's pretty damn good and anyways we go to the best Matthew McConaughey title and that belongs to We Are Marshall. And I do love sports and movies, so, you know, when you mix in the two, I usually end up making a mess in my pants. <laughs> and usually, so I, I th thoroughly enjoy these type of films. You know, I love sports movies. The Sandlot's an amazing one as well. We all seem to love that one. Uh, but, you know, when we're talking, you know, Matthew McConaughey, you say, oh, We Are Marshall. You know, that's, that's not one everybody remembers that he's in, but... When you think back about watching it, you're like, yeah, that was a pretty damn good film. That was actually a really good one. So, um, you know, it's based on that tragic true story about the Marshall University football team. You know, unfortunately, you know, that did suffer an airplane injury or an airplane crash, apologize, uh, in, in a crash in 1970, and 75 people were killed, sadly. So, uh, but the film itself highlights the, you know, the repairing of not only the football program, but the community also, which is excellent. And McConaughey, he plays the coach they hired to fix the program after that tragic accident. And, you know, he does an excellent job of playing the football coach. 
you know, showcasing, you know, his football fanhood, you know, from his Texas roots, which is great. And so that, that character, I'm sure, was just a natural fit for him. You know, he didn't even really have to really act. He just got to go out there and, you know, play a character. I'm sure he was excited, you know, to be because that was himself, you know, just helping others and that Texas accent and, and, you know, rooting for or you know, leading a football team. So I'm sure he, he enjoyed every bit of it. You know, and a fan, as a fan's point of view, I enjoyed the movie, you know, every bit of that. So... You know, it's really sad at times, you know, of course, but the story is very uplifting. There's many heroes in the film, and you find yourself really becoming a fan of the football team, which is pretty cool. So um, it's my favorite Matthew McConaughey film by far after kind of doing a, you know, retrospect on all this, you know, his filmography and, you know, what's in the collection, what do I like, and, you know, what what doesn't really have a, a shitty moment per se. And this is the one It locked in. And I was the one I was going for. So it's my favorite Matthew McConaughey film. We are Marshall. And so send me a message. Did I just do the nationwide thing? <laughs> I think I did. So yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we are Marshall. It's the Matthew McConaughey film that I love the most. But send me a message on Facebook at Guilty Pleasure Movies or tweet me at GPM underscore podcast to tell me if you agree or disagree and what your rankings would look like for, you know, Matthew McConaughey films. Go ahead and throw, you know, your top three, your bottom three, or however big you want to make that list if you're a huge fanboy of his anyways, but our fangal, whichever the case. I'm a, am I a fanboy? I don't know. I mean, I just did a, you know, a month of Matthew McConaughey films. I did rankings of his films. I was real. I realized I haven't seen a lot, but I own practically all the ones I have seen, and that's a decent little amount. So I might consider myself a McConaughey fanboy. The McConaughey-sitis, or whatever you want to call it. So, you know, but that is the official ending of America Sweetheart Month. And, you know, all Matthew McConaughey movies, all month. So everyone is happy, right? And, you know, I definitely need to go check out some of his better stuff. And maybe redo the rankings a year from now. So to be continued on that, gang. Uh, but on the next episode, it is the debut edition of The Way of the Ninja Month. So we're talking all August I, where I rewatch and review movies with the word ninja somewhere in the title. So the way of the ninja month. And the first episode will be a ninja turtle title. And I did a voter poll earlier in the month, you know, through this show's Facebook page. You know, go ahead and search Guilty Pleasure Movies. Check it out. Uh, but we'll be doing some more polls, of course, where you guys get to get involved. And, uh, but, you know, I asked everybody, hey, you know... You know, everybody loves the Ninja Turtles. I'm a huge fan, you know, but which of the films is the best? The original number one or two? And I, like I said, the originals, not the remakes with the shitty CGI, but, the, you know, the great, you know, people in the body suits, the great, you know, you know, the, the puppetries, stuff, stuff you got going on, all that shit, you know, the great fucking voiceover work that you had with, you know, Corey Feldman in the first one, and I think that might have what got the people to vote for it, because number one, one in a landslide, I mean, everybody threw some comments about how they love the second one, but it was all about how the first one is the better quality film, but I'm going to pick it apart, I mean, we're talking, uh, what, 1990, I want to say, so you know it's going to have some cheesy moments in there, I can't wait, so... Like I said, of course, one was the winner, and so we'll kick off, you know, the Way of the Ninja Month with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 
And so I'll, you know, try to have that episode out very early in the month. I know I'm doing this one kind of, you know, with a a break in between, you know, I've got about a week to go in the month, but I'm going to go ahead and give myself some time to enjoy some Ninja Turtles. I'm going to go ahead and watch the first one and I'm going to go ahead and get, you know, everything prepared for the show. I'm going to go ahead and get the recording done, but then I'm going to fucking get a big bag of cookies and watch The Secret of the Ooze. TMNT2, baby. That's the one I voted for. So I was, you know, it's all good. It didn't get on the show. I mean, a lot of other shows have butchered that one to pieces. And a lot of, they always talk about, oh, we love the first one. It's great, blah, blah, blah. It kind of holds up. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, like I said, we're talking about films that are not so great most of the time as we're starting to find out on Guilty Pleasure movies. But I'm excited to see what happens. I'm definitely going to go ahead and kick back and watch some Ninja Turtles. But I want to thank you guys again for tuning in. And that concludes America's Sweetheart Month. And get ready for the Way of the Ninja Month coming soon. Make sure to get interactive on the Facebook page as well as Twitter. I'm going to get a voters poll coming up soon as far as what we're going to be doing either throughout the month of August, September, just for fun. Who knows? But until then, guys, as always, to be continued. to the creator of our opening and closing theme songs, musical genius Dan Pfeiffer. If you enjoy those tracks, you can listen to them along with many more of his at the app Reverb Nation. Search his channel name, Dan Pfeiffer. That's spelled P-F-E-I-F-E-R. Dan the man, thanks again. Oh, thank you.